coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, NASA's Perseverance rover sends back pictures of Dinosaur Planet? It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including announcements coming out of BlizzCon. And then on Thursday, we're going to be reevaluating our first-party backlogs for real this time. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, my husband and I have been making our way through like past seasons of Amazing Race, because they're all available online. It's been a fun like pandemic thing that we've been doing. And it's funny how... like. I, I, him and I get like so like invested in these like uh in the people right even though some of this happened like twenty years ago or maybe like fifteen <laughs> years ago uh you know we're just like oh yeah like wow I really hope they win oh I really hope like that team like does really well but then as soon as like the season is over like as soon as we're done with it and we move on to the next it. season like yeah. almost immediately but we were so emotionally invested like twenty four hours before. Oh man, I feel the same way with like uh, the Great British Baking Show, where like because Sarah and I have also uh, like gone back and like revisited other seasons of that, um, and like you're watching the first episode and you're like, okay, I remember like three of these people, probably the three people that make it to the end, but like I was deeply invested in all of these people at one point, <laughs> and then you just don't care, and then you just don't care, you like immediately forget, yeah. We, look, there's there's too much content. We're 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 asked to care about too many things, uh, and so when they're not in our immediate line of sight, we just have to eject them from our hearts. <laughs> Speaking of things you can easily eject from your heart, my copy of Sonic Forces. Would you like to play it? Borrow it for a little while. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail dot com, and then I mail it to you. It, it comes in the mail uh, with a return address, uh, like already addressed envelope. Just send it back. Postage already paid. Costs you nothing. Yeah, all you got to do is provide us your mailing address, and then you'll yeah. go on the list. On the list. Uh, also, you may accidentally get Untitled Goose Game. It's just something that happens. I'm sorry the goose is there to ruin the program. The program, however, is still perfect. It's just there's also a goose involved. The other thing we're doing is we are giving away of Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE for the Nintendo Switch. Um, it's an eShop code for the North American eShop. I've been playing this game for a while. I think I'm getting kind of close to the end, but I'll save it for what we've been playing. Um, but I'm good. really enjoying it, and uh, we want to share the love. So if you would like a code for Tokyo Mirage Session Sharp FE, you can write in to us at... Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail oh, wow. Markets, that okay. Was, okay. Oh, wow. That's, I mean, that's, it's embarrassing. But it is like, embarrassing. I'm, I'm going to go right into like comfort mode. It's okay. <laughs> We're going to get through this together. You can write into us uh, in the subject line. Be sure to make the subject sharp FE. That's the pound sign FE. And then in the body of the email, tell us who your Mirage would be. A Mirage, of course, is kind of like your avatar, somebody who, gives you power it can be a nintendo character it can be somebody from life um but send that to us by march 15th and uh all the entries we will randomly be choosing one 
and the winner will get that code for Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Uh, and I've really been enjoying uh, everyone's suggestions so far of who their um, mirages would be. I, I assume that we will talk about it on uh, the episode where we uh, announce who, who gets the code. Um, but some of these are really making me laugh. So uh, keep, keep sending them in. Uh, keep making me laugh. And maybe you'll uh, get a copy of this game. Um, all right, Mark, you teased it already. So let's get into what we've been playing this week. So I have been continuing to play Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Um, I like really enjoy this game a lot. Uh, I'm probably about 30 hours in, and I think I'm getting towards the end wow. because I'm running out of... Um, like there's a function in the game where it like will tell you uh if a side story for a character is available and if not like oh you need to level them up or you need to go further in the main story in order to unlock it and i'm beginning to like finish people's side stories entirely and the story is like kind of coming to a climax it feels like i mean i think i still have maybe like 10 hours or 15 hours to go but sure. um i i think i'm more than halfway and there's just, like, nothing. It's been a while since I've, like, played, like, a, a RPG, like, RPG. And there's just, like, nothing in gaming that captures that same feeling of progress. Where, like, I can do, like, so many cool things in the game now. Yeah. And you're thinking back to, like, when you first started and you're just trying to, like, figure out the systems. And, like, your character's kind of weak. And there's just, like, nothing in gaming that replaces that same feeling of, like, oh, my gosh, like, I've come so Look far. Look how much you've grown. Yeah, like, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it feels like a real journey. And it's kind of, like, uh, yeah, I had kind of forgotten that because it's been such a long time since I've played, like, an RPG like this. It's just, like, so specific. There's nothing else in gaming, I think, that comes close. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Ah, man, I'm so glad that you, I'm, like, there's also nothing else really in gaming that approaches the feeling of, uh, being towards the end of an RPG like that, where like, you know, there, there's one thing uh, like to experience the growth, but there there is another thing entirely to have grown, right? To be big. Um, and like at the end of a JRPG, like you are big and it just feels good. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And the other thing that's kind of like cool is, um, you know, when this game was originally announced, it was a cross between Persona and like Fire Emblem. And, yes. you know, like, um, there is definitely elements of both. Like, it truly is kind of like a crossover. The Fire Emblem stuff is very tertiary. But as we've gotten, like, more into it, um, there are, like, more references to it. Even stuff that, like, I understand where I'm like, oh, right. Like, I have heard of that happening in Fire Emblem games. Or I'm, like, aware of that being in the Fire Emblem universe. But it's definitely, like, glancing. Like, it is not... I, and I don't anticipate that it is going to become, like, heavily invested in Fire Emblem lore, but yeah. it is definitely, like, a nod to Fire Emblem, where you're like, if you have played the games, which I really have not, but I am around it enough to, like, know some things about it or, like, have heard buzzwords, you're like, ah, yes, like, this is, like, Fire Emblem tangential. <laughs> That's fun to sort of recognize something. <laughs> I imagine if I was knowledgeable about it, it'd be even, like, more delightful. But since I'm not, I get, like, the low-level amount of delight. Yeah. Uh, Fire Emblem lore is tough, too, though, because, like, there's so much of it, and, like, some of the games exist in, like, the same 
I think they all theoretically exist in the same world, but not at the same time. Uh, and there, I think there are some of them that like are yes, obviously different universes, um, or like just different versions of Earth, or like who knows, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, it, it would be tough to be one of those like galaxy brain fire emblem people who like knows everything <laughs> about all of the games well luckily the stuff that i'm picking up on is like oh right i remember that is featured in a game title so there you uh, go you know <laughs> like a binding blade or something yes, yeah a similar, shadow dragon. similar similar yeah yes for sure but it's a lot of fun i again the game is so goofy right like it all re- uh revolves around like people becoming like better idols and it's all so just like wrote where it's like oh this person has to like overcome their shyness and you play as the like typical like anime dude where it's like am i like everybody's like you're amazing at everything oh my gosh thank you so much for raising your confidence my confidence and you're you know and you're just like what i did that how could i be how is it possible that i could be great at everything uh and yet you are and yet Um, i I am let me tell you something i'm not great at but pretty okay at um <clears throat> and also along the the subject of, of mashing up two different franchises i have been playing snk versus capcom match of the millennium um which uh w- i i was supplied a code uh for this from uh from snk um so you know if you want to ignore my opinion because i've been bought off then uh you 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 now know uh the the truth of it um I am really enjoying this game. It is a uh, like classic Neo Geo pocket fighter um, that is full of uh, you know half SNK characters and half Capcom characters. In practice, that is mostly King of Fighters characters on the um, SNK side, uh, but there's also um, I think just one uh, Samurai Showdown character in there. Uh, and then on the Capcom side, it is mostly Street Fighters. Um, but there are two Darksiders in there, um, Felicia and uh, Morrigan. Uh, and I mean, no surprise here. I'm, I'm a big Capcom fighter guy. Um, so I'm really enjoying playing as those characters uh, in like the uh, story mode or setting up like the sort of, um, you know, versus like a, a bot. Um, and I struggle a little bit with playing as the SNK characters because, again, I'm just not that familiar with their franchises. I did play uh, once through the story mode as uh, Terry because obviously I know Terry now <laughs> very well from uh, playing as him in Smash Brothers. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's fun and like at playing this game after I played uh, Pocket Rumble, um, which is like a send up of this kind of game. Uh, I am now newly appreciative of how well Pocket Rumble does Neo Geo pocket fighting games oh like it's a very faithful even like uh in terms of like presentation and like graphically um it just it's really neat in that way the, i guess the the one thing that this game has that um pocket rumble didn't is it has like the slightly more complicated move inputs so like you're still doing like the hadouken motion um to you know throw a fireball for uh with, with like ryu or morgan or whoever um but, you know, it, it maintains the, like, two attack button. Like, everyone has a punch and a kick. And, like, that's it. Because uh, there's only two buttons on the Neo Geo Pocket. So you got to figure it out. Um, but it's great. I'm having a, a ton of fun with it. There are, like, additional game modes in there. Um, there's a thing called, like, the Olympics, where there are different events, uh, whether you pick the SNK side or the Capcom side. And some of the events are, like, 
you know, you're playing a fighting game, so it's like fighting. You you there's like a survival mode, or uh, you know, like a couple other different like options of just like they keep throwing bad guys at you to to fight. But there's also like a a little rhythm game in there. It's like uh Felicia's runway, and like you gotta <laughs> you gotta like make the cat lady like move in time to the music. Um, and you're like, okay, I don't I don't understand this at all. Um, but yeah, I I I feel like the uh. And I, I would like to spend more time with it and spend more time uh, like with those um, mini games and also just sort of like digging into the main combat um, in the game. So th- there is a two player mode in this thing where you can do verses where you where both people are playing on the same switch uh, and you can do it in handheld mode uh, where you're holding like the left Joy-Con side of it and your opponent is holding the right Joy-Con side of it. And it shows two screens, one oriented towards the left Joy-Con and the other like oriented toward the right Joy-Con. So you can do two player, like kind of split screen with this thing. Oh, it's inter- wild. Interesting. So it's not like a vert. It's not, they don't have the, uh, it's not vertical. Mm-mm. Like, no. oh, interesting. No, like it, it takes, so it takes this, the screen, splits it in half, right? And then the, and, and then uh, the left side is rotated 90 degrees. Uh, so that, like, it, as you're holding it from the left side, like, if you're holding your Switch down in front of you and you're holding just the left Joy-Con in your hand, you see half the screen is your screen. And then the other person holding the other side of the Switch, holding that from the other Joy-Con, gets, like, an, uh, like your image of the screen, but, like, reverse so they can see it right side up. So, wait, but, so are you, like, sitting across from each other, I guess is what I'm, like... Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay, that's awesome. That's so cool. It's really weird, but it's, it's, it's super cool. Uh, I can't convince Sarah to play it with me, so I don't know <laughs> when I'm ever going to do this. Um, but it, it's, it's a really neat, uh, like, feature of this thing. And it's cool. Like, I, I haven't played any of these um, Neo Geo Pocket uh, games as, as they've been ported over to Switch. But it's got like you know a nice, uh, robust <clears throat> excuse me, a robust set of uh, filters and like backgrounds and stuff like that. And you can always like zoom in on the image itself, um, and you know rewind and uh, save states. And uh, it's it's all very friendly, very easy to use, and I am enjoying it for that reason. Yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, it, I, I feel like anytime like uh, I I have never played any Neo Geo Pocket game, so like right. that just seems like an experience in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I am having, like, a, a weird sort of fun uh, retro games I never played experience uh, this week, because the other game I put a little bit of time into is Psycho Dream, which is one of the uh, Super NES Switch Online games that was added last week um, that uh, we were like, what is this? And it was a game that was never localized um, in North America, uh, and it is like a a 3d or 3d 2d uh side scroller um that's like you have to platform but it is most it's it's kind of like castlevania e um in in its gameplay but the aesthetic is uh i don't even really know how to describe it you're in like a a future not post-apocalyptic but there's like urban decay for sure um and you're playing as like some weird uh warrior who like projects uh like polygons and uh like has shields and it's all it's all very strange like uh, the, the the title psycho dream absolutely fits <laughs> it um it is a psychotic dream uh but then i also mark 
this is the real thing that I want to talk about. I had to go in and reorganize my Super NES games. How was that emotionally for you? Difficult. Look, every time they add games to this thing, they just pop them right at the top of your library. And I have a very like nicely manicured library where it's like, here are the games I'm going to play. Mario games are all up top. Here are the Donkey Kongs. Look, ooh, all three Donkey Kong countries. It looks so good. <laughs> um, and then like, oh yeah, where am I going to put like tough enough? Like, yeah, it goes in the bottom, right? It becomes garbage. Uh, but then, like, all these other games that, that were just added, all basically garbage as well. I got to, like, find places to put them. How, when you get down to the garbage, like, is there an yeah. organization structure? Like, are you doing release date? Are you doing just, like, how you feel? Are you doing it by color? So when it, uh, when I get to, like, the true, there are two lines that I'm just, like, these are garbage. I'm never, I'm never going to play these games. Um, and those, truly, there is no organization. They're just down there. Um, but everything else I've like, I have kind of lumped together by like games. Um, and then, uh, like on top of that is like the likelihood that I'm going to play them. So like the first line is, uh, all Mario games, right? So like Mario all-stars, um, super Mario world and, uh, Yoshi's Island, right? One, two, three. I'm like, that's perfect. And then, uh, super Metroid link to the past. And another one. Star Fox? Like, maybe it's Star Fox. It, it might be it might it might be Star Fox. No, because Star Fox 2? No, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh <laughs> and then I have the Donkey Kong Country games on, on their own separate line. Um but yeah, it's I, I have it very carefully manicured to the point that I'm interested in the games, and then after that I'm like, I can't. They're all mm, just down yeah, the yeah. file. One other question about Psycho Dream. So it's the first time that it's been released outside of Japan. Is it localized or like is it in English or is it still in Japanese? Still in Japanese, which uh follows the pattern set by uh, yes. the uh puzzle games as well, like uh Puyo Puyo, um and the like Tetris Attack and I forget what it's actually. Oh, Panel Dipon is what it uh Yeah, and, and in, Super in Mario Picross was the same, right? Yeah, so yeah. that that that's all that's all in Japanese. Um but I haven't found yet that that is a, a barrier for uh Psycho Dream. It's it's certainly not for the puzzle games either, because like you just play the puzzle game. If you know how to do, if you understand the mechanics, there's no yeah. real hurdles there. Except I'm picking game modes when you're like, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know what. The- <laughs> that was totally a problem for me with um, Paddle to Pawn, where I was just, or yeah. or maybe it was Puyo Puyo, where I was like, I don't think I'm playing the game mode I want to play, but I don't think I'll ever find out how to get to the one I want to play. <laughs> there's got to be a resource online that breaks it down, right? <laughs> yeah, probably, well, probably. We'll never, we'll never know. All right, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, February 23rd, uh, Persona 5 Strikers is released on Switch. Now, Mark, you are uh, elbow deep in a sort of Persona game right now. Um, does uh, are you intrigued to check out Persona Five Strikers? I don't think so, and I think it's because I feel like I should play. I should like. It kind of feels like Persona. You have to play Persona Five. Maybe not have to, but it seems to pick up right after Persona Five, and that plus it's like I know it's not strictly a Muso game, but in that sort of thing, it just feels like this is this is not the time for me to be picking up Persona Five Strikers. Yeah, fair enough. And also, like, c- come on, guys, let's just get that Persona Five on the Switch, and then we can just do <laughs> we can just do the whole thing there. I think we all know this is as close as it's ever going to get. Oh man, 
Uh, yeah. I mean, you're right. When I at some point I made a prediction about it it never coming to the Switch. Um, and I actually didn't say never, but I said I'm I'm not I'm not gonna get it right. But I I put some sort of time frame on where it's like it's not gonna be until after this comes out. And it's not gonna be until after this comes out. And even then, um, <laughs> but I think we may be in that even then now, right? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, we are at least a year out, or about a year out from um, Persona Five Royal um, coming out on PlayStation uh, Four. Um, maybe uh, this year we'll see the PlayStation Five version of Persona Five Royal, uh, and then a year after that, then it'll be time for it to come to Switch. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I feel like even though nobody's ever like come out and said it, we're all just kind of in agreement that Persona is a Sony series. And Shin Megami Tensei Five is, you know, in development for Switch, and it feels to me that that's, you know, as close as we're ever going to get to that sweet, sweet taste of a Persona of a Persona game. And then on Thursday, February twenty fifth, an indie game called Littlewood comes out. I believe it's been out on other platforms, including PC, but is making its way to Switch. And this one looks kind of interesting. So it does seem a little bit like um, in that Stardew Valley vein, but the story is that. It takes place directly after a like our, a big RPG. So you know our hero Ooh, has just saved yeah. the world, and then now is has of course like lost his memories, but is now like going back to life after you know participating in this huge world changing event. And it is still like you know about resource management. It does something interesting where instead of having like a a day cycle where you only have a limited amount of time. It's it's a limited amount of energy. So as you do things, your like energy decreases, and then you know you just have to call it quits because you can't go on any longer. Um, Isn't that the old uh, Harvest Moon formula? It might be. I actually can't remember. It's been so long since I've played any of those games. It might be. Yeah. Um. I also uh just realized on our list of new releases for um Thursday, that's when uh Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection comes out. Oh, good catch. Yes. And this um, is a uh, like brand new Ghost and Goblins brand new game, game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um and I mean like I don't have any I don't have any soft spot for the original uh games, uh either the arcade version or the NES or the Super NES. Like these as far as far as I'm concerned, these are all like punishing awful games. <laughs> um but there's obviously like a a legacy and a lineage there. Um, so I'll be interested to see like the response and if uh, like anyone goes to bat for it is like, y- if you've been holding out on Ghosts and Goblins, like this is the one to play. Yeah, I know it will be interesting to see because I I feel like I've never met anybody who's like I like Ghosts and Goblins because I think it's fun. I think it really is just kind of like the ch- being able to like complete it, just being like, wow, yeah. like I yeah. did that. And maybe I didn't like have fun along the way, but now I can say that it's done. Um, Definitely did not have fun along the way. <laughs> and then on Friday, February 26th, Bravely Default 2 is released for Switch. Probably the uh, big release of the week. We're here. It's, we're, we're, it's, uh, Bravely Default 2 feels like it's one of those that uh, we've been paying attention to it since it's like very first announcement. And now it's actually being released. Uh, and I'm exactly where I was when uh, we saw it announced. Where I'm like, 
I'm glad someone's going to enjoy that. I will sit this one out. Totally. It is so strange because like I feel you 100% where like Bravely Default 2 being released feels like a milestone of some sort, even though I couldn't tell you what it is. Like it's not the last like game that we know was going to be released, right? Like it, there's right. nothing like, ah, it is important because X or it is memorable because of X. And yet at the same time, it does feel like we have shepherded this along in our own way for many moons yeah. now. <laughs> well, I, I I do think part of that is like coming into this year, basically all, all we knew about Nintendo's release calendar was Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, Bravely Default 2, and Monster Hunter Rise. Like those were the three big pillars and we are now knocking over the second uh, and then Monster Hunter in a couple weeks. And then it doesn't matter because we've gotten more information from the uh, Nintendo. Totally. Direct. There are a ton more games coming. Now we have Project Triangle Strategy to like oh my hold God. up as our RPG North Star. Look, all y'all there, uh, Square Enix uh, games, like get out of here. Give me that Project <laughs> Triangle Strategy. That's all I want. And don't change the name. You, they can change it to just Triangle Strategy. That's okay. <laughs> we all know it's coming. Who's the project? It's cleaner. Uh, all right, Mark, let's get out of the new releases. That, of course, brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. We are still using leftover suggestions from our 433 episode. This one comes from Lizzie. She says, Countertop kitchen appliances. Are you feeling the air fryer craze? Are you guys uh, notorious blenders slash juicers? Or did you get a pasta, ma- pasta maker once and then never use it? Um, Mark, what, what, what is your kitchen appliance? Uh, uh, I, I, I was going to say regime, but that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. I, I feel like so we have an electric boiler, um, like an electric mm-hmm. kettle, which we use fairly often. We just got a new one. Um, if you want to hear more about the travails of, buying, of me buying an electric kettle, I think. I blabbed about it we on talked the, about it the episode, last week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we also have, uh, you know, just like a toaster, um, and then like a rice maker. But the uh, we do have an air fryer. We actually bought one. Oh. Maybe like three or four years ago. Um, and we have not used it for like three years, but we still have it. Um, Interesting. The the other thing we were like. Uh, for the longest time, we were coveting a uh, a salad spinner. We were like, man, this would be, every time we'd make salad, we'd be like, this would be so much easier with a salad spinner. So like, oh my gosh, like wish we had a salad spinner. And then finally I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a hero. I'm going to buy a salad spinner. And we've used it once. And we were like, man, that was a lot of work. Let's, and then it's just sat there. We've never used it again. <laughs> <laughs> this is insanity. First of all, I don't even think you can count a salad spinner as a kitchen appliance. <laughs> Well, good, because, like, uh, we don't use it, so. Um, Mark, I gotta say, you and I, we can usually see eye to eye on most things, but a salad spinner is the most fun thing in the world. I love spinning some salad. It's the best. But then it's just, it's just, like, extra dishes that you have to do afterwards, and, like, ours is not dishwasher safe, so it's just, like, is this worth it? Mm. But all, all you're doing is, wait, what are you using the salad spinner for? Spinning salad. 
<laughs> so uh, we, uh, okay, but to what end? Because we use it to like wash lettuce and then put the lettuce in there and like dry it. Yeah. Are, are you like tossing the salad? No. In there? But like, I'm just but, wondering what's requiring so much washing. Well, because you've like you've expelled the dirt, right? That's the like. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So then you have to like wash the dirt. It just seems like a pretty easy wash process is all I'm saying. Like, but then, it's like, not caked in anything. Yeah, but then, like, the top, you know, like, and it has, like, all the gears. It's, it's just a process. <laughs> well, I think it's worth it. I, I like having clean lettuce. <laughs> um, so we do not have uh, an air fryer, um, but we do have a toaster oven. Um, I am a longtime proponent of the toaster oven. You can use it both to make toast and to make whatever other things you would make, like, in your oven. Um, or, like, I feel like it and the air fryer fill similar roles. Um, but the air fryer is probably faster. I don't know. I don't actually know what the air fryer does. It's enormous. It's hot? Yeah. It, okay. well, it, it's, like, it, there, or at least ours is, like, very large. And you can, I mean, I guess you could in a toaster oven. But, like, an air fryer is supposed, like, you can cook, like, a whole chicken, right? Or, like, do, like, okay. french fries. And it's supposed to kind of like uh like with like fries or like potatoes it's kind of like supposed to give them the uh crispiness or whatever of like actual frying our experience yeah. was not that but um mm. i think in theory that's what it's supposed to do and that's usually how we end up employing the toaster oven when it's being used for uh, you know like an, an oven substitute where like we put this in the toaster oven and it does it even better faster crispier great for reheating pizza my god um, but then, uh, you know, in, in uh, on top of that, we also have a ninja blender, which can do like the blending in individual cups, um, which is nice. I, I made myself a smoothie this afternoon. That was very good. It's very quick, um, and like easy to clean. Like I, I love that thing. There's also just like a regular like pitcher attachment for it, um, that so you can make something bigger. But I don't like using that. I don't like cleaning that. Um, uh, I guess. I guess we'll never know, but I just wanted to add uh, that we also use uh, a, a waffle iron. We got a waffle iron for Christmas nice. from my grandmother one year, um, and so yeah, we we'll, we will make waffles like kind of kind of regularly, like maybe once every other month. Well, I mean, you hit. I know we're over. We're over our time, and we're I know o- we're over. I know we don't want to. We, we don't do want to make anyway. this a thing, but like <laughs> we're just gonna keep going for a little bit. Right. Um. You right. mentioned like you know like oh uh, like having to clean up the big part of the like ninja blender, and I feel like that's the downfall of a lot of these like kitchen appliances yeah. you're like i could use the air fryer but then i'd have to like get it out and then i'd have to like clean it afterwards but a waffle iron usually is the one that is like worth it where it's like yes let's yeah. get out the waffle iron it might end up being a pain to clean but it will be worth it guaranteed here's the thing if you make a good like a good batter that's like buttery enough um then the waffles like come out clean <laughs> they just really slide right just- off they do kind of all you really have to do is like wipe it down when you're done with it and like like with a wet paper towel and like it's clean it's great um all right we were <laughs> we were accompanied today by students from the royal uh, royal central school of speech and drama as conducted by paul barker all right mark let's get into the news Famed skateboarder Tony Hawk and Nintendo seem to be teasing the announcement of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake for Switch sometime soon. Um, The game released last year for Xbox, PlayStation, and PC, but uh, just yesterday Tony Hawk tweeted, quote, just heard hashtag Crash 4. I don't really know the best way to like 
do I am I gonna am I gonna do all of the like uh, um, symbols and I everything? So I don't think I will. Here's here, here's here's my take on that. Uh, if it is being used in the in the sentence, I would say uh, n- don't say the hashtag. Okay. Still say at because <laughs> at it's important to important context to know that they are yeah uh, including those people in the conversation. And then any hashtags at the end of the tweet where it's clearly just for metadata purposes, I think you have to say hashtag that. Okay. We need we need an AP style guide for this sort of thing. But Tony Hawk tweeted I think tweet- I just wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just nailed it. Definitive. Tony Hawk tweeted, quote, just heard Crash 4 is coming to new platforms, and I'm kinda jealous. Hey at Crash Bandicoot, can you hook at Tony Hawk the game up? And then Nintendo quote tweeted uh, what Tony Hawk wrote with like the eyes emoji. Um, and then Nintendo also tweeted at Crash Bandicoot saying, come on, Crash, make it happen for at Tony Hawk the game. So I don't even know if it's hinting at or it's just like straight up explicit at this point that any day it, now we're going to have this It seems pretty explicit. I don't, Mark, how do you feel about brands getting cute like this? <laughs> do you know what? Um, I, I, I think you have to think of it as like the people who are like running the Twitter accounts. In which case, uh-huh. I do I like I like it. The idea of like brands <laughs> getting cute with each other, sure, sure. like not super into, but like you know, um, the people who are actually running the brands, and then you know, like them coordinating with the other people that are running, like the I, I yeah. like it. Basically, is what I'm getting that, down that, to. That's like, cute. I'm okay, okay with it. Let me ask you this though: Does Tony Hawk not run his own Twitter account? Because usually, usually, ninety percent of the time. He tweets about being in situations where someone is like, hey, you look like Tony Hawk. And he's like, yep. Like, those are most of his tweets is <laughs> people recognizing him, but not recognizing him. I think him. that's the value of Tony Hawk tweeting, because I think he does write his own tweets, but also he's a professional. And so when people are like, hey, we're going to run this coordinated marketing thing, he's like, yeah, just tell me what to tweet. He's on board. Yeah. Yeah. No, no pun intended, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, do you think that, um, I guess, like, uh, uh tony hawk was like a huge thing for our generation now yeah. i wonder like tony hawk is the elder statesman of skateboarding and so i guess actually he's probably well known through that like right like people today i just wonder if he it, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what i wonder um if the yeah. game, <laughs> if uh, t- look man the uh the gen zers are parting their hair in the middle or something <laughs> i don't know what the <laughs> They don't care about Tony Hawk. Yeah, but like, here's the thing: like, we parted our hair in the middle too. Um, if the game, oh yeah, I may, I may, I may have that reversed. I, I don't. I no, don't I think, know what I the, think, the drama I, is. I think you're right. Uh, also, I saw an article where like, uh, uh, Gen Wire was like, oh man, we're like the sarcastic generation, and it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, like every you're a teenager, like everybody's the sarcastic generation. Anyways, <laughs> yes. <laughs> If the games, if uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake do come to Switch, it'll fit a pattern of Activision releasing, like, uh, their games delayed for Switch. So, you know, we saw the Crash Bandicoot Collection, Spyro Mm -hmm. Collection, um, the Crash Kart Racing game, Crash Bandicoot 4, like, all of those released on Xbox, PlayStation, and I think actually PC as well first, or... Well, anyways, they definitely came out on Xbox and PlayStation first, and then like months or a year later, they would come to um, Switch. And so, like, this would make sense. This would make sense. Yeah, yeah, it it makes perfect sense to like get the games out and like sort of have that first pop of you know publicity and like 
really pushing the games on uh, the sort of uh, main platforms that you're intending to release them on, and then like a year-ish later putting them out on Switch, where like games just casually sell really well. Yeah. Um, like you know that that and and where things don't need to be super timely, like you know, we're we're in a couple months we're gonna get a ten-year-old Zelda game and like people are gonna buy it, so it seems fine. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, like I think at least for Activision, anyways, you know, it's this idea. It seems to be this idea that, like, yeah, I, you are correct, Patrick, that they do seem to sell fine, even though they're coming late. And I think it's because, one, like, the Switch does have a, an audience of video gamers that are just playing the Switch. And then it also has an audience of people who are willing to double dip because portability is such, yep. like, a huge feature for these things. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And I also think there's some, for, for a game like Tony Hawk uh, 1 and 2 Remake, um, I think the audience for it will probably be interested in an opportunity to buy it and play it for a second time. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's already uh, a nostalgic, a replay experience. Like, yeah, give them another opportunity to do it. There were a couple of announcements coming out of last week's BizCon Line, uh, which is Blizzard's online fan event, which Patrick refused to follow the nomenclature for earlier. Look, yeah. when, <laughs> when I started to uh, type it into our show notes, I typed BlizzCon online. And then I paused and was like, oh, no, they call this thing BlizzCon line, right? And I don't, I don't know why we would do that. <laughs> so I just said BlizzCon. <laughs> it does. It sounds wrong. BlizzCon line, um, which is Blizzard's online fan event. Blizzard revealed the Blizzard Arcade Collection, which was immediately available for purchase on consoles and PC, including the Switch. Uh, it includes the arcade games The Lost Vikings, Rock and Roll Racing, and Blackthorn. Uh, I feel Mark, like... I've got a little spoiler here for okay, you. Okay, great, great. Uh, and so, something that I had to jump in here because I did purchase this game the second I saw it was available. And it's because of the Lost Vikings, right? It's I because feel... of the okay. Lost Vikings, yes. 100%. I love the Lost Vikings. Blackthorn is another one uh, that I was very interested for a very long time. It, it has that... Um, it belongs to the very like uh, small club of games that are... Um, cinematic platformers, um, which was a, a, a genre, uh, like in the 16-bit era of like the side-scrolling um, platform action games, uh, like Flashback, um, that are mostly story-driven and sort of like, um, like driven by like graphic storytelling. Um, and so like th they don't play well. These games don't play well, but they create an experience that is like a a cool story. So um, I've mostly been playing uh, Lost Vikings. Um, you you can you can run down the the features of these things and then I'll uh, sort of elaborate on it. But I, I think I think this is a great collection, absolutely worth twenty dollars. I'm so excited about this. Well, real quick before I run down like the features, where did you yeah. play Lost Vikings before? What did you play it in the arcade? No, no, no I played it on the uh, Super Nintendo. I actually don't know oh, that it ever it. was an like this collection is called the like Blizzard Arcade Collection. I don't think Lost Vikings was ever an arcade game. Oh, that makes so much sense. It's like okay, it's it's not arcade as in like oh these were arcade games. It's arcade as in like here uh, by releasing these three games together, we have created a Blizzard arcade. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like uh, Rock and Roll Racing maybe was in arcades. But also Blackthorn would be a, a crazy <laughs> fit for, for an arcade environment. That makes so much sense. So the Blizzard Arcade Collection contains... This is what, this is what the press release says. 
It says that it contains two different original editions of each game, plus a definitive edition. Now, Patrick, yes. I'm hoping you can explain to me. It's great that you bought it, because then you can explain to me and everybody else. What does it mean by it contains two different original editions? So, um, the uh, I can only speak to Blackthorn and uh, Lost Vikings here, because uh, I'm actually not very familiar with rock and roll racing. I will be, because I'm enjoying these other two games. Um, but uh, it gives you the option to play the Super NES version or the Genesis version of, of these games. Or the definitive, which takes the best parts of both, um, which, you know, I guess they're, I, it's not totally clear or apparent to me um, from what I've played so far, um, where it's pulling from on, on each one. Um, the Lost Vikings to me so far feels like it is just the um, Super, NES, <coughs> Super NES experience, uh, but I, I, I could be wrong. I'm not such a careful student of these games totally. <laughs> as to be able to pick, pick them all out. So, again, going back to the press release, um, so the original editions are the games as you remember them, but with new quality of life improvements including uh, included, like the ability to set custom key bindings, rewind your gameplay up to 10 seconds, save and load your game, as well as watch playthroughs of Blackthorn and the Lost Vikings, and then jump into play at any point, which is an interesting feature. Um, yeah, that, that was something that was included in the um, Disney uh, collection of Lion oh, King. Oh, okay. Where you could just like set it to perfect play mode and then jump in at any point. Yeah, and then uh, the definitive editions include all the same great. Again, I'm reading from the uh, uh, from uh, the press, press release. release. So let me right. do the press release voice. The definitive editions include all the same great gameplay content as the original editions, plus a few additional upgrades like enhanced local multiplayer for the Lost Vikings and Rock and Roll Racing, new songs and original artist performances for Rock and Roll Racing, a new level map for Blackthorn, localization for twelve languages and more yeah it, it is really cool i saw that there was a video footage of four player split screen for rock and roll racing um which is rad if i could do three player split screen for lost vikings and have all three vikings like going at once that'd be cool um th- it is such a th- and this is also a, a line from the, pre- the press release the blizzard arcade collection uh museum includes art a music player behind the scenes interviews and more um, there is like this is a, the perfect way to bundle three 16-bit games and like really celebrate them and do them up right. I think this is a, a wonderful collection of pretty good games. Uh, and the Lost Vikings are like an amazing game. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm so happy with this thing. I think it's I think it's incredible. Um, two things. One, real fast. Uh, actually, that last line you read isn't from the press release. That was me like oh uh, shortening. <laughs> That information well, into a bite-sized nugget. And two, can you, because uh, I remember us talking about uh, you enjoying the Lost Vikings before, but can you remind me, like, is, is it a platform? Is it like yes. a Golden Axe type thing? Like, what is it? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just going off about Lost Vikings, uh, how much I love it, and not what it, the game actually is. Um, so it is a, a puzzle platformer where you control three Vikings and the three Vikings have been kidnapped by aliens. So you start the game aboard an alien spaceship, uh, and you are sort of responsible for controlling all three Vikings at once, and you have to use their unique abilities to get through the, uh, the levels. So uh, one of them holds a shield, uh, and so he can, he can like move uh, left and right, and he can he- hold his shield in front of him, or he can hold it above his head. If it's above his head, then he sort of glides when he walks off platforms. And if it's in front of him, then he blocks, you know, incoming lasers or whatever. 
Uh, there's another one who has a sword and a bow and arrow. He can fight. He can kill stuff. That's basically all he can do. Obviously, he can move uh, left and right, climb ladders, whatever. Um, and then the last one is the fast one who can jump uh, and run, and he can also headbutt things when he's been running fast enough. So they all have like a very limited move set, right? You've got one attacker, one mover, and one defender. Um, and so you have to switch between them on the fly uh, to like, you know, there's a lot of uh, putting the shield guy in place to like block a bolt so that like the running guy can uh, get somewhere fast and like flip a switch and then the sword guy can fight stuff. Um, so it's, I mean, it, it it's great uh, it, and, and so fun and so funny. Like they write little dialogue for uh, the characters and they're just like giving each other crap the whole time. Um, really well written, really beautiful uh, pixel art. I just love the game. Yeah, that sounds fun. And again, it's out now and only 20 bucks um so that that's like an appealing price point yeah uh also revealed at blizzcon line was diablo 2 resurrected uh it, and this is this is kind of a surprise so we had heard like rumors that something like this was coming but in addition to being released on pc it's also being released on all consoles including the switch this year which is pretty cool um yeah. it's a full 3d remake with what they call a reinvigorated soundtrack uh, but you're able to like toggle in real time between the new graphics and soundtrack and the original 2D graphics with the matching matching soundtrack, and you can do that on the fly, which I always like when they do that in remakes. Yeah, um, me too. And they also promise that there's going to be like some quality of life improvements, and it's going to include the Lord of Destruction expansion for the game. So Diablo 2 is not something that like ruined my life, like it ruined a lot of my friends' lives, just like tons right. and tons of hours into it. But I know like. Um, this is uh, this is really exciting news for a lot of people. Yeah, and it's cool to see like Blizzard here with, with these two announcements. Um, you know, paying attention to uh, parts of their catalog that aren't Overwatch and WoW. Like, um, I, I know they they tend to feed the the Diablo crowd uh, like fr- from time to time. Um, but it's just sort of I don't know. This this feels like broader. It feels more like. Uh, acknowledging that they have like a, a whole catalog of things that people are interested in. I also think it's cool to see like it not just coming to PC because that feels like a very yeah. like easy home for this like Diablo 2 remake, but to have it come on consoles, not just consoles, but like on the Switch as well is uh, really like it's really exciting. Yeah, I think Diablo 3 was like a a pretty big windfall for them on console, right? Like, um, that it hadn't really been a place for those kinds of games before, but whether Diablo three just like made it a thing or, or what, like people were really playing that game on, on PlayStation, uh, definitely on switch. Mark, I know you got it on switch. Um, yeah, it seems like, it seems like it is a, a logical enough home for them that they don't have to be relegated to just, um, the, uh, the PC, like, you know, something like wow, or even just like regular old Warcraft or Starcraft. Um, all of those make more sense on PC than they do on, on console Mies are kind of back in vogue with uh last week's nintendo direct where they showed off both like Mies being in like playable characters in mario golf super rush and of course the game Metopia being ported from the nintendo 3ds to switch <laughs> nothing more in vogue than Metopia being ported <laughs> to switch it's what all those gen wires are talking about <laughs> Uh, Twitter user Hey I'm Heroic, who's the same person who discovered that the non-playable characters in Breath of the Wild were based on a, an advanced version of Mii's. Uh, they're back with more Mii-related news. They uncovered support for something referred to as 
quote, special Miis in the Switch SDK. Okay. So special Miis have seemingly never been used for anything, um, but they're, they have never been removed from the code either. They're still in the Switch code. Um, but here's what Hey, I'm Heroic discovered about them. So first of all, special Miis can't be edited or used for your own icon. Um, if you cre- okay. if you create one, which I think that the way that they were creating them was they were like importing pre-existing Miis and designating them this like special me. But if you so if you create one, they don't appear in the me list for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, and Super Mario Maker 2. But they do show up as uh, selectable in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, even though you can't actually select them. They show up in like the selectable means. Mm. Okay. Um, if you try setting an amiibo's new owner, this special me won't appear in that list either. And okay. if a if a special me somehow did appear in a Switch game, other than Smash Brothers, then there is optional code to revert the special me to look like a default starter me. But that's n- never been used, obviously, because these have never been used. Um, right. And then also, since you can't create a special me. You, you can only import them. If you import one that's short enough, you can see that special me's are wearing pants and the pants are a gold color, which seemingly denotes their specialness. This is so weird. <laughs> and then if you try to delete a me that has been designated a special me, you get a completely unique pop-up um, saying like, hey, do you really want to do this? <laughs> Okay, so what what does this mean? What does this mean for us then? Like, it's, it's a special means, as far as we know, like don't exist in any yeah. actionable way yeah. right now. So basically, yeah. it means nothing to us. It's it it is um a like a feature that Nintendo d- spent some time developing and decided to not like fully implement at some point, or they and so they've just never pursued it any further. Yeah. Um, whether I mean it would. It would make sense that they, because like they've not really featured the Mies in like anything so, so far, right? Um, uh, obviously, they are available in Mario Kart and uh, you know the the various examples that that you listed here. Um, but like, yeah, it, it's certainly not front and center like they were on the three previous platforms that they were on. So I wonder if like it's maybe something that they're still planning to roll out eventually. Yeah, I don't know. I I like I really wonder if you know earlier in the Switch life cycle or like in development they were um looking at like how do we bring these over like how are they implemented and you know maybe this was something that they were pursuing but then ended up just not putting you know just deciding not to go through with like we talked about last week i think it's a little weird that i feel like metopia especially is an awkward fit on switch a little yeah. bit just because these were featured so prominently on the nintendo 3ds and it was easy to have a bunch of them so having them show up in your metopia game was fairly easy because you probably like already had your friends Mies on there. So having to create all of those characters from scratch like seems a little bit tedious to me. But yeah, maybe they'll surprise us and maybe there will be um a renaissance for me characters in the near future. Uh two things. One, um I think it's funny that the only way to designate what like a different we is like a different category or me, a different category of me is to change the color of their pants. <laughs> yeah. 
because um, you remember that in like the original uh in, in like we if you favorited a me it changed its pants from black to like red <laughs> right or like kind of like a brown like a maroon color um so a that and b i feel like the uh sort of like avatar of yourself in the uh nintendo system has been replaced on the switch with your villager in Animal Crossing, mm, right? That's like, interesting. I think that's how people probably view themselves on these machines, not their Mies, but as their their villager, right? Um, if only there are a way to import like that look or convert it into a me. That would be great. That'd be great because then you could have like your friends Mies. Yes. Like yes. already. Yeah. Although actually, you know, I am saying I say that, but I wonder if like um so when you when i set up my switch i'm pretty sure i created a me yeah me too um and so maybe they will pull all of your me's from your friends list that everybody created when they were setting up their switch that's interesting and those are what will pre-populate me uh metopia yeah that would that would make sense Uh, and i think people are are better at um like actually building out their friends list on switch than they were on any of the previous nintendo platforms um so yeah that makes sense i hope it prioritizes your like is it best friends is yeah. that what they call it mm-hmm. on? yeah um because that that's uh oh i checked today and i i currently have 201 friends on uh nintendo switch so the 200 friend barrier is not real markets make believe <laughs> or i miscounted one or the other <laughs> You know, I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of us cuz yes, special me's are not uh are not a like going concern, but I think we cracked the Metopia code. I I yeah. I think that might be how they end up like pre-populating your game or giving you some to work with from the beginning. So I'm glad yeah. we took that walk. I love it. Um kind of in the same vein, Nintendo history focused Twitter account Forest of Illusion, who we talked about just a couple of weeks ago when they discovered an early build of uh, Ocarina of Time on a prototype Nintendo 64 cart for F-Zero X. They released a playable build of Dinosaur Planet, which was a rare game in development for the Nintendo 64 before it ultimately became um, a GameCube title, Star Fox Adventure, after Shigeru Miyamoto reportedly looked at what Rare was working on and was like, hey, this could make a Star Fox game. Um. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a weird miss by Miyamoto, I think, right? <laughs> like, just let them have their weird dinosaur game. Yeah, also interesting that it, like, it started life on the Nintendo 64, eventually became um, the GameCube title. So, Forest of Illusion got this playable build from a private collector in Sweden. Uh, they bought it, it was like on a, a disc that they bought. And the file lists the date of the build as December 1st, 2000. And seemingly, it's kind of a late build. Like, seemingly, it's after Miyamoto had, after they had already started making the change to incorporate Star Fox into the game, because Star Fox is present. Like, Fox McCloud is present in the game, and he has a sword. He called. Oh man, what what were they what were they what were they trying to make here? Were they trying to make their own game? Were they trying to make a Star Fox game? Were they trying to make a Zelda game? Like, what is this thing? Yeah, I mean, I uh, it's interesting that it took another two years from when like this build seemingly was because the game wasn't the final game Star Fox Adventure wasn't released for GameCube until two thousand two. So you know, um, it this seemingly is a like late build on the Nintendo sixty four, but then it seems like they took 
obviously like an additional couple of years yeah. to make the game on GameCube. But this is kind of crazy. Like, according to Forest of Illusion, the game runs on emulators, but will require work to make it like 100% playable. But this is one of those things that like, the fact that it that this playable version of Dinosaur Planet exists um, at all is like kind of crazy. Yeah, I wonder if this is one of those things that's also like in Nintendo's archives somewhere. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how that works with like source code for these older games or like in development yeah. games. Like when something gets like killed like this, what happens to that code? Does you know because like companies like the Walt Disney Archives, right? They have like an entire department whose job it is is archiving all this stuff. But I wonder if companies have similar stuff for source code, like for like digital archives like this, right? Well, and especially when like so much of even like the first party games on um, Nintendo are developed by, you know, not in-house, but like by someone like Rare um, or like Intelligent Systems or, you know, wherever, like are, is everyone that's working with Nintendo as like careful with um, archiving stuff as, as they are? Is Nintendo even that careful? Am I romanticizing their ability to um, keep like a library of their history? I don't know. Have you ever played Star Fox Adventure? I don't think that I have all the way. I have not. I I don't I don't think I've played a frame of it. I don't think I've ever held a controller while the game has been in a GameCube. The I I do remember playing it at a demo station at a Hollywood video. Um, there you go. Yeah, yeah. But I uh, but like I don't know anybody who owned it. I never like personally owned it or put a lot of time into it. I wonder. Too bad it's like I don't have a way to play it because um, this having dinosaur. You never will. (laughs) And I yes, I mean that's actually probably fairly close to true. Um, But like having like dinosaur planet back in the news just has me kind of like feeling like man, there's like this like Star Fox like game out there that is its own weird unique thing and introduces crystal and like all this crazy. Or does it? Or did Star Fox Two? Anyways, yeah, yeah. Well, Star Fox 2 would have, but did not. So. <laughs> but yeah, it's got me kind of like feeling like, oh, do I need to watch like a playthrough of Star Fox Adventures? Probably not, but it got me thinking it. Well, I mean, look, Mark, I just want to tell you, like, be careful with that sort of like line of thinking. Um, I Last week I watched uh, Aliens with some friends um, and then was like, you know what? It's been a long time. I should watch Alien 3 again. Like. Just see, see like how I feel about that movie in uh, 2021. And I used to be like kind of an apologist for that movie being like, no, it, look, it, look, it's not what we expected after Aliens, but like, it's still pretty good. It's still got whatever. Uh, it is awful. It is dark. <laughs> it is mean. It is the, the aspect ratio like changes and fluctuates throughout. It is technically a mess and the story is gross. <laughs> so you're saying don't don't go chasing that like star fox adventures that's Um, what i'm saying (laughs) yeah got it got it during last week's nintendo direct nintendo showed off new mario themed items coming to animal crossing new horizons on march 1st and one of the items uh they talked about is a warp pipe which patrick and i were really excited for that you can set up around the island and like warp for use the pipe to go from one area to the other one of the things uh, when we talked about it last week is we weren't sure if you were limited to just like the pair. So you had the one pipe that would take you to the one other location. And the answer is no. Apparently you can have multiple pipes, but if you do, the destination is random. 
Uh, so it's not like Mario Maker where like you set one pipe and it necessarily leads to a specific other pipe. It's that all the pipes are random and you jump in one and you go wherever. Exactly. Yes. And have we dis- have we have we learned whether your animal neighbors can use the pipe or not? I think that is still a mystery. I'm sadly <laughs> right. like my speculation is that they're not going to. But you can put a place a pipe inside your house. So if you want like a Wonderful. quick escape, yes. Yeah. It's now possible. <laughs> what if you just put pipes inside your house so you can get <laughs> one room to <laughs> you the can other get from the kitchen to the attic? Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of Animal Crossing, the previously Japan exclusive Animal Crossing New Horizons manga will be released in English on September 14th, courtesy of Viz Media. It focuses on apparently what the villagers residing on a deserted island are up to, which, yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. That would, yep. <laughs> Uh, um, that sounds that sounds cute. That sounds fun. Uh, I gotta say there are so many villagers in Animal Crossing that I find repulsive, or <laughs> that I don't want to spend any time yeah, with. Completely unlovable. I love, look, I love the ten that live on my island. I love nine of the ten that live on my island. Coach, look, I don't need an ox who's like an athlete on my island. No thanks, Coach. Get out of here. Um, but everyone else, everyone else, Fauna, gotta stay. Cookie, gotta stay. Sherb, love him. He's a goat. He's blue. Um, but yeah, like, do I want to see uh, what's happening with, like, a bunch of other uh, villagers that I don't know, I don't have a personal relationship with? I don't know. I mean, here's, I, although I do like the idea, like, if, uh, e- like, each chapter of the manga is telling the story of the same day from like a perspective of a different villager. Ooh. Yeah. Animal Crossing Rashomon. <laughs> Love it. Uh, some other tidbits um, of news following up on announcements that were made in last week's Nintendo direct. Uh, the eShop listing for Skyward Sword HD mentions Amiibo support, which wasn't talked about in the presentation, but no mm-hmm. word obviously on what the support will be or what Amiibo will be compatible. I wonder if they're going to try to sell it with a new Amiibo. Um, that was one of the things, and in fact, I'm looking at it right now. Um, the Twilight Princess HD came with the um, Wolf Link and Midna Amiibo, um, which oh, then right. tied specifically into uh, both uh, Twilight Princess HD and Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Because, you, yeah, you use it in those like um, extra dungeon, the, the extra dungeon that you have to play all as the wolf. Um, and the deeper you get, no, you, however many hearts you have when you finish it is how many, you save that to the amiibo. And then when you use the amiibo to summon the wolf in Breath of the Wild, that's how many hearts it has. Oh, I forgot you could summon the wolf in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, Mark, I ha- had been thinking about uh, the release date of Skyward Sword and what I think that tells us about the release date of Breath of the Wild 2. Would you like to hear my theory? Yes, please. So, Twilight Princess HD was announced in November of 2015 and released four months later in March of 2016. Okay, so that's, that's the timeline there. And then uh, Breath of the Wild was released one year later, March 2017, right? Scott, now we're skipping ahead to present day. Skyward Sword announced February 2021 and is releasing five months later in July. So that mean, that's, that's a, a pretty similar release window, a pretty similar lead time 
with the uh, very obvious knowledge that there is a big Zelda, a big new Zelda game coming out, I believe that we will get the Breath of the Wild sequel one full year after the Skyward Sword remake. So it'll be summer 2022, and I think either July or August. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I I mean, I totally agree with you that I think it's like a 2022 title. Especially because they said, yeah. "Oh, you're going to hear like more news n- this year." Um, but oh, and 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 I don't think we hear any of that news until after the Skyward Sword remake is out. Yeah, that makes total sense. I'm so like uh, a friend of the show, June, texted me um, some uh, somebody's tweet from Twitter that was just like a screenshot of Amazon's like best selling games, and like Skyward Sword is number five right now. Like I like this like the game seemingly is going to be huge, and I'm so interested in hearing what like quality of life improvements they made to it. But I I really wonder like what it's going to be like for people who got into Zelda because of Breath of the Wild now going sure. to Skyward Sword, and they're very clearly aware. Like Nintendo's very aware, you know, that they're very different experiences. Um, Al Numa was very clear, right, that he was like, hey. We're hoping that uh, fans of Breath of the Wild will enjoy going back to this, like, other style of Zelda. But, you know, it's interesting that Skyward Sword is the one that they're getting sent back to just because it's the one that probably has the most complicated um, legacy at the moment. Although the rumor is... And is one of the more, like, hyper-linear ones, too. Right, yeah. And, you know, like, they're definitely having... I have not played Skyward Sword myself, but just my understanding of the game, there are definitely elements of it that like clearly led to things in Breath of the Wild, like the stamina will makes its first appearance yeah. here in Skyward Sword and stuff like that. But um, yeah, and you know, the rumor is that the other HD remakes from the Wii U, so Wind Waker and Twilight Princess will also be coming to Switch this year. So there will be a bounty potentially of Zeldas for people to check out if Skyward Sword isn't to their liking, but it's just interesting. What do you make of the uh, like sort of criticism that like, uh, N- Nintendo Zelda's 35th anniversary, the thir- 35th anniversary of its release in Japan was this last weekend, and there was really nothing. Um, and you know, dur- during the Nintendo Direct, while they announced uh, this HD remake of Skyward Sword and teased more information about Breath of the Wild 2, uh, they didn't acknowledge that we were in uh, an-, an anniversary year. Um, what do you make of that? I so it's not, I they they have um the Mario 35th anniversary going on right now and right. it it goes through the end of March so it doesn't surprise me that they're all that they um are not also going to like celebrating Zelda's 35th anniversary in the same way like wasn't it Fire Emblem's 30th anniversary and you know like they kind of made like a passing mention of it i think when they brought over that uh, NES game for yeah. the first time and you know it's also mm-hmm. Metroid's 35th anniversary this year but i i and pokemon's 25th like yeah, yeah there's, with, there's a lot but with um mario just getting that 35th anniversary treatment and having it be like this big month-long celebration i don't anticipate that they're going to quickly follow that up with like doing the same thing for zelda i also gotta say the like obligation to celebrate a 35th anniversary feels weird to me um like 25 yes quarter of a century you bet 30 nice round number 40 another nice round number 50 it's a blowout but 35 like are we gonna do 45 as well like i don't 
they're, they're, they're like, we can't celebrate every number, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, I, uh, I, I think what they should do is instead of saying like, hey, it's the 35th anniversary of Zelda. So, you know, we're doing like a similar celebration like we did for Mario. I think what they should do is like a year of Luigi type thing. But I think they should be like, hey, yes. we're celebrating Zelda with like the year of Tingle. And, you know, Tingle's showing up in like a Skyward Sword HD if he's not there already. Um, you know, like uh, he's going to be featured prominently in Breath of the Wild 2. That's the thing we didn't want to tell you until we revealed that it was the year of Tingle. I think that's the way wow. to do it to me, per- for me personally. Um, and then, uh, you know, also get finally get ports of freshly pickled tingles uh rosy rupee land and uh tingles balloon trip of love i get, think the finally time get has both come. Of those games yeah, yeah yeah seriously um america you know like um for all of our problems i think we've progressed enough as a society that we're ready for those tingle games yeah i mean at the very least to enjoy them ironically right like let's <laughs> let's get let's get some tingle in here yeah i think it's time um another tidbit in a job listing hiring a level designer for for splatoon 3 one of the duties includes renovating existing stages presumably meaning we'll see stages from splatoon 2 in the next game as well uh interesting i like that they call that renovating that's very funny yeah i also like that like it must be a huge relief when a game like splatoon 3 is released like everybody must be like oh my gosh thank goodness we can talk about this existing like we can create yeah. we create job listings for it and and just explicitly say Splatoon three Splatoon instead 3. of like yeah like instead of having to be really oblique so that way like somebody um you know isn't crawling LinkedIn looking for unreleased games or something like that. Yep. Uh, finally, Nintendo's website for Mario Golf Super Rush briefly mentioned that quote King Bomb can pelt the course with bombs. But then that mention was quickly scrubbed from the website <gasps> once it was pointed out. What? So I'm guessing Secrets. we weren't supposed to know that King Bobom was going to be a playable character, which of course this would be the rare instance where he is playable. I think like Mario Kart well, Tour he showed up in. I can't think of other times where he's been playable. Well, that, I mean, that, yeah, that, and that's really interesting too because like I can't, where else is King Bob-omb? Like, other than Super Mario 64 at the top of that? Does he show up other places? I, I was looking it up, and he shows up, like, a ton in, like, Mario Party games oh. as, like, bosses and stuff like that. So he, he's mm, that made so he's made appearances, like, he was in Mario Kart DS and I'm sure other places. But, um, yeah, just, like, things like that where he shows up is, like, uh, like, just something that's quickly featured. But it does have me wondering, like, can we get Wart in this game, please? Oh, man. Oh, man. If we can get Wart in the Mario Golf game, oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I know I'm already, like, asking for a lot with the year of Tingle, mm-hmm. but I feel like uh, Wart... Like... Just keep asking for stuff. Just keep doing it. <laughs> Wart's time has come. He's put in a lot of work. We all love Wart. Get him in a Mario game. Get him in Mario Golf, right? Where, like, you're acknowledging him, but you don't have to go as yep. far as, like, he's not really... Um, just like Waluigi. Yes. The same thing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Let Wart shine, please. All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff that helps us out tremendously. 
when you do that. Also, uh, keep adding us as friends on Switch. Evidently, there is no 200 friend cap, so keep them coming. Our friend codes are in the description of every episode. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8 or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying, okay, here's a palate cleanser. Email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thanks for listening. My name is Will Himes, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.